Good morning once again. My name is Yumiko Nakagawa and one of the pastors here at Wellspring Covenant Church. I'm so glad you all joined us worship online and in person here today. For those of you who have joined us for the first time ever, I don't see anybody first time ever in here, but maybe online. Yay, welcome. Or maybe first time in a while. Uh, we are actually in the middle of the sermon series called Bless. And blessed us for five different ways we love our neighbors. Neighbors, B, begin with a prayer. And L, listen with a care. And this week we're opening the Gospel of Matthew to learn the word E, eat together. Although I feel like here at Wellspring and people on this island in general do that so well, I just thought, oh, maybe there's no preaching today. We just go eat but that didn't really work well. So <laughs> we're going to still uh, do the sermon series. And we're doing this series because we as a preaching team believe that, uh, and believe and hope this blessed series will help us with releasing. Uh, here uh, at Wellspring, we've been focusing some of the sermon on what it looks like for us to be working in on mending. And we did some series on equipping. And now we are doing this series to learn what it means for us to be releasing so that we as a community can grow together as a church. Now, at this point, I think there are two groups of people here. Some of you are on board. I know, at, I know matter of fact, there's one person in my small group who is very, like, she's excited about this blessed series. Began with a prayer. She has a list of people to pray. And, you know, really good at listening with the care. And there are people like her who's like, okay, on board. Sounds great. I want to grow as a church. And we want to learn what it means to eat together. There's a group of you like that. Great. And I think there is another group of you here. You just heard my blurb on the sermon series and the idea of growing together as a church community and you are ready to tune out. Because you're here today to learn about God, Jesus, and Christianity, not about Christian living. You're not here to learn what Christians do because what you're here for is really to learn about God, what God says about you and your life and your question. So when you heard the blurb of a sermon series, idea of growing as a church and mending and equipping, and what's the third word, releasing? You're like, hmm, okay, no thank you. But you're here. And if that's you, I want you to know I am so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I want to buy your lunch. Not just for today, for the whole week. If you are not interested in learning about what Christians do, but you really want to learn about God and are willing to join us in any way, you know what? I think I'm going to buy a lunch for the whole year. I'm willing to do that. I'm sorry, Jared. We're going to spend a lot of money on this lunch. So if that's you, uh, let me know. My email's on my website. Uh, you can find ways to connect me and say, hey, I'm not interested in about Christian living. I want to learn about God and I listen to your sermon. Great. Lunch on me for whole, on us for whole year. But that's how happy I'm, uh, that's how happy I am that all of you joined today. So if you are here strictly to learn about God, I want you to know um, that, 
uh, even though this is a part of the sermon series, and I think this sermon series is helpful for a lot of us, even if the series is not helpful for you, I'm going to talk a lot about what Jesus taught us in today's sermon. So hopefully you will still find something helpful for you, for your learning about God and God's way. So wherever you are, today's passage is Matthew 9, 9 to 13. And for some of you, this is a familiar passage. You have it, uh, if you're here uh, in person, you have it in front of your bulletin. It's going to be shown on the screen in a minute. Um, but if you're not familiar, and if you don't have a Bible uh, accessible, just type in on Google, Matthew 9, 9, 9, 13, then Google will help you find a verse. Wonderful world we live in. If you're familiar with this passage, you look at it as like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this one. And if you're not familiar with it, you may actually have some advantage here today. That you, because you may pick up something that a lot of us may miss particularly in verses 9 to 11. So, do you see something odd in this passage? Even if you are familiar, familiar with this and have read it a thousand times, let's take a moment to actually, actually read this passage. So I'm going to give you five seconds of silence here that you can read it any way you want. But let's read this passage in silence. I'm curious what you um, what stood out for you, and particularly what you find odd about this. There are I'm not sure we're all on the same page, but there are actually two things that seem a bit odd to me or unusual, shall I say? Um, first thing is this: Matthew was at a work. He's at work. He's working, and Jesus walks by. They don't know each other. And Jesus invited him, invited Matthew to follow, which is a very random thing to do to somebody who is working at work. But Matthew heard this and got up and followed him. If you're at a work, airport, office, wherever, and people come by and you don't know this person personally, you know this person is a kind of up and coming religious teacher, and they said, follow me. What would you do? You, even if you're like, oh, I'm kind of curious what you have to say, you're going to have to finish your shift, you're going to have to close your computer, you're going to have to pack up to follow. But Matthew got up and followed him. Why? Why did Matthew follow Jesus? Why did Matthew follow Jesus? Because something happened to Matthew at that moment. Something happened to him. And now everything is different. You see, Matthew was a tax collector. It wasn't just a job. He actually defined his social and relational place in the society. He was ethnically Jew, but almost outcast socially and relationally by the rest of the Jews especially from the religious ones. 
tax collectors at the time worked for the Roman Empire, the enemy, the occupying forces. So relationally, that's already a no-no. You're working for our enemies. But also, what they did was they were known to be, um, they just charged tax whatever they wishes. They decide how much tax to collect, and they collect in whatever the ways they can. So they're known to be greedy, self-interest-seeking people. So they were considered sinners. The word has a different nuance uh, from how we use it today, but you know, whatever the difference is, it's still a negative way that they used it. They're considered sinners means that they were not holy enough to come or join a worship at the temple. They were the type of the people who were rejected by religious authorities, who uh, had no place in religious institutions, and unwelcome by religious people. And if you're a religious teacher's authority, they wouldn't touch the sinners with a 10-foot pole. To this Matthew, whose religious life was deserted or non-existent, this Jesus, who is controversial but still considered to be kind of up-and-coming new teacher of the community, came. And instead of walking on the other side of the street like other people like Jesus would do, he approached Matthew close enough to speak to him and invited Matthew to a deeper relationship. That moment for Matthew, I wonder that the moment felt like he was given a new life. Someone who was not good enough to participate in a religious life, who had a long distance from all things religious and holy, who felt so far away from all things God, was now in a close proximity and a connection with living God, who is Jesus. The broken connection with, between Matthew and God is restored in this moment. Matthew was resurrected spiritually. Resurrected, that's actually exact the word they use in this verse for rise up. They don't use the word rise up or get up. They use the word resurrected. It says Matthew was resurrected and followed Jesus because everything is different now. And perhaps that's why this particular passage was recorded in this particular part of the gospel. In this section of the gospel, the gospel of Matthew chapter 8 and 9, there's a clear theme. Miracles. In those two chapter two. Uh, two chapters, chapter 8 and 9, too many numbers, two chapters, we see many, many, many miracles, one after another. And right in the middle of all these miracle-themed stories, we read today's passage. I don't know if you can see this in a tiny font, but in a gray box, is if that's the whole gray box is a chapter 8 and 9, you see there's a big chunk and a chapter 8 that lists all different kind of miracles. And boop, there's a call of Matthew, and then a followed by all these miracles of healing. Mainly healing, there's a calming storm and all that stuff too, but there is a lot of healing miracles. And a smack of middle of it, there is a call of Matthew. Which 
may seem a little bit odd. Why would you put that in there? But it makes, perhaps it made a perfect sense for Matthew who wrote this gospel, who is the main character of this story today. Because for him, this significant moment was yet another miraculous healing story. Just as Jesus healed many physically and emotionally and relationally, Jesus resurrected Matthew spiritually and restored the broken connection with God. And now, everything is different. Everything is different for Matthew. And it's not just for Matthew that everything is different. It's different for everyone around him as well. In the following section in verse 10, it says, While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When you read this, okay, this is the second odd thing about it that I found odd. Is it just me? But Jesus just met Matthew and I had this random conversation. And Matthew's like, okay. And he left work and I followed Jesus. And next thing you know, Jesus invited himself to the dinner at Matthew's house. Okay, maybe Matthew insisted, but that just seems random. And maybe it is because I'm reading through this modern day individualistic um, life that you need to book your dinner plan a month in advance type of life. But it just seems a little too spontaneous. Maybe it's because I'm Japanese. It seems too imposing. You just met that person. You don't just show up at somebody's house. It feels very forward. And I always find it a little odd, but maybe it's just me. But I know I wasn't the only one who found this odd. And they actually felt much, much more stronger than I did. When Jewish religious leaders, Pharisees, uh, that's the group of them called, noticed that Jesus was eating together with his disciples. That's okay. But Matthew, tax collector, and his friends, who are also tax collectors and kind of similar sinners, these religious leaders find it not just odd or unusual that Jesus do this, but they find it unacceptable. And it made sense for Pharisees to felt this way because the cultural context at the time, sharing meal is just more than just functional, not just social. It meant, it meant a lot more. It meant that sign of identification. You eat someone that not only you trust or you like, but you deem to be worthy of your company. Somebody who are like yourself. Those are the kind of people you eat with especially for someone like Jesus, who is, was considered a teacher. When a teacher eats with some people at somebody's house, that means he is vouching for the host. He's vouching for the company, saying, these are my people, they are good, they have whatever the standard you have, they meet my standard. That's the sign of eating at somebody's house. That's the significance of eating at somebody's house. So to the eyes of Pharisees, Jesus eating with Matthew and Matthew's friends at Matthew's house means Jesus saying, oh, these people are good. They're good to go. Which by their standard, no, no, no. These are tax collectors and sinners. They're not good to go. What are you doing, Jesus? 
And that wasn't just them being snobby. It was their way of life. For Pharisees and any good people of God at that time, it was very, very important for them to keep themselves holy so that they, can, they, they may be worthy to enter into God's presence at the temple. And just as some of us kind of value um, getting into a good school, having a meaningful career, or, I don't know, playing for UH sports team, or keeping themselves holy was a high value for them. That was important for them. And to do that, they had to follow strict rules about who to interact with, what to eat, how to dress, what to do, and what not to do. But all these rules detailed in the Old Testament, main thing about these rules was to stay away from uncleanliness. And uncleanliness could come from um, type of people or certain type of behavior, conduct, people or things or food. So being apart from people who do not live in God's way, keeping distance and not associating themselves with the ways to keep them holy, the ways for them to honor God. And Jesus himself was brought up in that tradition. So then why did Jesus eat with them? Why did Jesus eat with these people? Because everything is different now. Jesus ate with them, these people who were considered unclean, unholy sinners who lived differently than religious people because everything is different now. Now is a time to heal, time to restore. And now is a time the holiness no longer means being apart from unclean, unclean things, but being closer connection with the holy of the holiest, Jesus. Because Jesus came to offer mercy, not to accept sacrifice, to be close to God's people. And because of Jesus' mercy, uncleanliness can no longer destroy holiness. But the holiness of God, Jesus Christ, cleanses all. And that's why Jesus shared a meal with Matthew and his friends, because waiting time is over. No more wait for Messiah. Messiah is here. In waiting for Messiah, people of God have devoted their lives and times and a tremendous amount of attention to keep themselves holy so that they can wait for Messiah. But not anymore. It's time for people who love, desire, and revere God to follow the Messiah. Instead of waiting for Messiah, now you follow Messiah who is here, Jesus Christ, and live as Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus brought God's kingdom here on this earth. Jesus proclaimed God's new world is here, and everything is going to be different now. As Jesus came here as fully human, fully God, Jesus inaugurated God's kingdom here on this earth. And Jesus lived on this earth, teaching about what this new world is going to be about. 
and teach, showing us how you live in this new world and showing us glimpse of what this God's kingdom will look like. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus refers to the banquet in the kingdom heaven, which is, can be found in Matthew 8, 11. Um, and also it's mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. Jesus sharing a meal with Matthew and his friends. That's a mirror image of what a banquet in heaven could look like in a tiny little bit way, where all is welcome. Disciples of Jesus, a new disciple, Matthew, and his friends, all of them in a different place, spiritually and relationally with Jesus. And in life too, background is different, but they are all is welcome. And when Jesus died on the cross and resurrected, he opened the floodgate of possibilities for all of us to join in in this kingdom building work. Building the kingdom is a long and slow process to transform all God's creation, the world and a people in it. And it all began when Jesus came to this earth, and that is why everything is different now. And that is why Matthew followed Jesus, and that is why Jesus ate with Matthew and his friends. That's why Jesus ate with these people. Jesus eating together was a Yes, it was a great way to share about who he is. It was a great way to build a relationship, but there was a lot more than that. The passage doesn't really tell us what happened to Matthew's friends. Did the meal with Jesus convert them as well? We don't know. Uh, It also doesn't tell us how this dinner impacted Matthew's discipleship path. We don't know, because the passage isn't, I don't think it's about us. The focus is about who Jesus ate with. Matthew and his friends were at the table who couldn't or wouldn't set foot in a temple to meet God, who weren't religious at all, who felt they're not good enough to meet God, good enough to be religious. To these people who kept distance from religious people for all things God, Jesus brought communion with the living God, Jesus Christ himself at the dinner table at Matthew's house. Now I say a lot about God's kingdom, but I'm going to be very honest. I do not have a full picture of this God's magnificent God's kingdom. Perhaps some brilliant people out there have a fuller picture of what exactly God's kingdom should look like. And some people know when it should come, all this stuff. Um, And maybe some of you actually, I think, I believe some of you have studied a lot more than I did and probably know a lot more. And if that's you, I actually want to sit down and learn from you. Um, But for now, a little glimpse that I gather from passages like this in the lives of people's life is so powerful. I only get to see tiny little bit, but this vision of God's kingdom, so powerful, so beautiful, and it made me sure God's kingdom is being built here, right now, on this earth. I'm so sure that I am actually reorienting my life right now 
to how to best invest my time, my resources, my training, my everything that I've got to, uh, in God's kingdom work. And that just means more than just serving in a church and all this stuff, which I'm happy to sit down and talk to you more. But Wellspring Leadership has encouraged me to do so and by calling me Pastor of Kingdom Connection. That's why I have this kind of unusual title. And here at Wellspring, we have six staff members, Robbie, Pat, Pastor Rebecca, Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Dan, and myself. And out of those six people, Robbie, Pat, Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Rebecca, Pastor Dan, they care deeply about you here in this sanctuary, you watching online today, they care deeply about the congregation. They pray for you, they cry for you, they rejoice with you, they can just, they, they're investing their time and resources to serve you. Me? I like all of you. You're very wonderful people. I do generally like you. <laughs> but the people I care deeply, in the way that five of them care about each of you, is actually not here. They're not here in this space, in a church. I don't think they're watching online either. The people I care deeply about are people who wouldn't or couldn't set a foot in a church Christian community, but desires God. Whatever the reason, they may feel like there's a wall between God and them, or this whole Christianity is just, no, not for them. There's a great distance to where we are, where they are. And those are the people I care deeply about. And this passage gives me a hope and teaches me and remind me that Jesus cares about these people who are not here today so much, so much, and as much as he cares about each one of us here. And you know, I shouldn't make an assumption. Maybe some of you sitting here today or watching online feel like that's you. You may be physically here, but maybe you've been Christian for a while and you feel like God is so far away. Maybe things happen at church or Christians do. Like we offend people all the time, so maybe you had bad experiences and disappointed and you feel distant. No matter how tall the wall you have built between you and the community, you with the Christians, you and God, however you have it, no matter how far you may feel, I hope you will read this passage and maybe find an encouragement for you. Just as Jesus brought communion with living God to Matthew and his friends, he would do that for you. He may show up at your work one day or just invite himself to the dinner because that's what he seems to like to do. I don't know how Holy Spirit, Jesus would work for you, but important things that Jesus has a seat reserved for you and I and he invites all of us whether you are right behind Jesus heel following him closely or you feel far away or you're new in this journey or you feel like you're not in the in a groove with them no matter where you are Jesus invites us all to follow him Jesus ate together because everything is different 
God's new world, God's kingdom is here on this earth. Messiah is here. So as we think how we eat together um, as a part of Blessed Sermon Series this week, let me end today's message with three questions. You don't have to out loud say a response to this, but I'm going to read the question. Three questions in order. First question, do you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and now everything is changed for you? Do you believe that Jesus came and died on a cross and now everything is changed for you? If your answer is no, great. And I hope we can sit down and you let me sit down and buy your lunch and we can talk about that. If your answer is yes, now next question. Do you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross and now everything is changed for you and for the world around us as well? Does the Jesus life and death change everything, not only for you, but for the world as well? Again, if your answer is no, Great, let's sit down. If your answer is yes, great, let's sit down. That's a lot of sitting down with me. Uh, or Pastor Cheryl, Pastor Rebecca, Pastor Dan. Third question. Especially if you answer yes to the other one. Yes, I believe Jesus' life and death changed everything, not only for me, but for the rest of the world. Great. If that's your belief, then last question. Then how are you bringing God's kingdom here on this earth? How are you building God's kingdom with Jesus on this earth? To apply it for the blessed series, perhaps the question is, how can you and the people you've been praying for together embody kingdom vision? How can you and people on the list, how can you and them together embody what the kingdom of God look like? I would love to know your answers, um, and I would love to hear more about why you feel, why you think that way, and hope that conversation happens from here. Uh, here with, doesn't have to be with me, with a small group, with the friends around you. But let me end this time with a prayer. God, thank you for, thank you for your um, word and thank you for Holy Spirit to inspire Matthew to record this in this, this particular section, in this particular manner to Lord, teach us so many thousands of years later, this community about who you are, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for all the work that you have done through the people here in this church and all the work that you're going to do in this coming week. I pray, Lord, especially for those who are in this community who uh, 
committed and wants to participate, continue to participate in God's kingdom work, Lord, help us to understand deeper and deeper what that looks like. And Lord, I ask that, um, give us the opportunity to do that faithfully. Especially pray for those who are faithfully following this blessed series. I pray that uh, you encourage them to continue to pray for those on the list and without being discouraged and disappointed. Um, help us to continue to listen with the care as Pastor Rebecca taught, uh, taught us. And, and Lord, help us this week to grant us an opportunities to eat together with those who we pray for. We're grateful, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit, continue to open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law and in, in your book. Pray this in gratitude and great expectation and anticipation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.